2: I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hi everyone, I hope you all are doing at least okay, if not better. I know I've been up and down a bit lately. I'm trying to stay as positive as possible, but it's not easy right now. Among other things, the full distance learning is really wearing on all of us around here, especially my younger two. It's just hard and every day, at least one of them tells me they wanna go back to school but our county, LA County, is still on the watch list, so we have to drop down another about 20% of our cases per day average for two weeks before we get off the watch list and they let us go back to school for the hybrid learning two days a week. But other nearby counties have been able to start their hybrid learning, so I'm hopeful we can get there too, but we're not doing as well, but we have 10 million people in this county alone, so there's just a lot of people which means it's harder to keep it under control. But we've been hanging in at this level for a while now, but I hope we can take another jump down here pretty soon. I also want to just take a moment to thank all of you for your support. I don't think I've said that in quite a while. All of my loyal listeners, and especially those who have shared with your friends and helped this podcast grow, those who follow me on Instagram and YouTube, and my biggest thank you to the members of the website. I feel really grateful to be able to share my knowledge and to know that every day that it's helping families and I'm doing something I love and supporting my family as well. I spent years building this site before I even launched it and I had no idea at the time if it would be something that resonated with parents or not. I know I loved the material, I know I loved using it and I was hopeful that other parents would really resonate with it too but I was raising toddlers, I was writing and recording classes, I was building a website, but now I know all of the work and the risk was worth it. So I just wanna say thank you to all of you who support me and help me to support my family also. As I shared last week, I have started producing more video tips that are going up on the Your Village YouTube channel and my Instagram page. So to find those, you can just search for Your Village on YouTube You will find the channel and then you can subscribe to see the video tips as soon as they're posted. And because I've been posting more videos and more of you are subscribing to the channel, I've actually moved up to the first or second spot in the list when you do the search. So yay, that's exciting. If Instagram is more your thing, you can find me at ironmom2020. I would love to know what tips you would like to hear about. I'm doing two videos a week right now. I plan to work my way up to five a week once I get into a good flow. So this is an opportunity to get your tips up and going and answered quickly since there is really not any volume for that yet. So if you have some things you'd like answered, send it to amy at yourvillageonline.com. Just let her know it's an idea for the video tips. They're usually, I'm happy to keep talking, but they're usually around three to five minutes right now, but I'll give longer tips if it takes longer to cover it. I got two videos up this past week on Halloween tips during the pandemic and how to get your kids to do their chores without complaining, but feel free to send in your ideas as well. I'd love to hear them. The questions this week are about what constitutes media violence and how to help a toddler deal with change, particularly one who is not real keen about it to begin with. First question is from Stacy and she wrote, Hello Erin, I'm currently listening to one of your podcasts on screen time and media and there's one issue I'm currently stuck on. What is the definition of violence in screen time? Arrival podcast lists how any form of conflict on screen, be it raised voices, angry faces, even a foot squashing a flower is listed as violence and that the reason why violence on screen is detrimental is due to the speed in which it is happening. It is alarming to hear that anything that creates conflict on screen can cause an issue in a young child. What is the definition of violence on the screen, and how should we address it when our children either role play or ask questions to process what they see? So I'm really glad you sent in this question to get some clarification. So I'm gonna address two different points to this question. First is what I would deem as violence, and second is about the speed and images on screen. And I'm gonna cover some research that I some research that I did in graduate school also. So first, in the class on peaceful parenting, both peaceful parenting classes, in the introduction part of it, I talk about how we all experience some levels of negative emotions on a regular basis. Now for most of us, that's gonna be many times throughout the day. It's not uncommon to feel emotions from minor annoyance to frustration to fear to anger throughout the day and different times. So it's important for kids to see these emotions and see others dealing with these emotions. What I recommend to parents, and I'm gonna get back to the screen time thing, but just to lay some foundation, what I recommend to parents in these classes is to show and share these emotions, but with three criteria. You wanna keep your display of anger short, You wanna keep it at moderate levels, and you wanna have a resolution. So short means you're returning to calm within a few minutes. Moderate means showing the emotion. It's okay to have some frustration. It's okay to show it on your face. It's okay for your face to have some angry look to it. Even some tone of anger in your voice, and some elevation in your voice is all gonna be natural. But the loud screaming, yelling, the shaming, the name calling, any feeling of being out of control. So if the anger is out of control, your children won't feel safe. You want them to feel safe with you. And I talk more about that in the peaceful parenting classes. I don't want to get into that right here right now because we're just kind of talking about how we share these emotions. And then we'll talk about that on screen. But how this feeling safe with a parent builds and maintains the connection we need for them to respect us rather than fear us and why it's so important, especially as they get older. And then lastly, Coming to a resolution means reconnecting after we share our anger, hurt, or frustration. If we've done something out of sorts, then we want to apologize and explain. Explain that we were angry, but that we're calm, and that we still love our child even when we're upset. And studies show that parents who apologize or explain after a display of anger have children with higher emotional intelligence. Anger in parenting is normal. Showing anger in parenting is normal. We just wanna keep it in control. So if you take that to the screen, a raised voice, an angry look on the face is not violence. Now, depending on what is said, something benign like, I'm so frustrated the glass got broken, I'm mad that I paid in full for the landscaping and they still haven't finished it yet. But when we say something like, what are you, some kind of an idiot, that's hurtful. When we say something hurtful, I would call that violent. It's verbal abuse. Verbal abuse is as harmful, if not more so, than physical abuse. So if the characters in the media program are calling each other names, then I would say yes, that would constitute violence. If they're just looking angry and the steam's blowing out of their ears, I really wouldn't call it violence or a harmful act. So for children under eight or nine, I would steer clear from this type of interaction between characters. Any kind of name calling, berating, that type of thing. Once they're a bit older and they can understand the difference between reality and fantasy, which is around eight or nine, and they can fully understand and participate in appropriate ways of sharing frustrations and have conversations around that. So when they do see something physically or emotionally less than appropriate in media, it's an opportunity to have a discussion around how it could be handled better. Now, In the class on kids and media, newborn to 10, I talk about how we watch with our kids, especially 10 and under, so we know what they're seeing and we can discuss it with them. Or we're at least checking in over their shoulder. We're listening into what they're listening to, watching what they're playing, kind of keeping an ear out and an eye out because let's face it, there is a spectrum to everything. It's rarely black and white. Interactions are nuanced and complicated, so being able to have those conversations, hear how our children interpret and understand something can be very enlightening, and having discussions around how the characters could have handled things differently are great opportunities for learning. Now, most of us start our younger children on things really benign, like Sesame Street, Blue's Clues, Dora the Explorer, that type of thing. When my kids were really little, in addition to those, they loved the show called, I think it was Kayo, Kayo the Little Blue Bus, And when they were in preschool. It was a really sweet show with a lot about social emotional skills and taking responsibility when we wrong someone or hurt someone's feelings. So sticking with these types of shows for younger children will greatly minimize their exposure to any kind of violence on, in the media. So, in the class Kids in Media 0 to 10, I talk about ways kids can inadvertently be exposed to inappropriate content in media in other ways besides what we are just letting them watch specifically. So if you're interested in learning how to use media for the positive, minimize the negative, that's a really good class chock full of information because my thesis in grad school was about the effects of media on kids age zero to five. So I share a lot of my research in that class and of course the ways to circumvent the negative effects of media. I also have a class for kids in media 11 plus if you have older kids on how to protect older kids from all the online exposures that can come their way, how to teach them about and help them to protect their digital reputation as they age up and go out into the world, as they start applying for jobs, applying for colleges. You really wanna keep that digital reputation very clean. So those are on the website at yourvillageonline.com if you want more information about that. But next, I'm going to talk about some of the research about media and violence and the outcomes that I pulled out from my thesis from grad school, along with information about the speed issue, the speed issue, which Stacy also mentioned, which children experience media and their effects after a few words from our sponsor. These later years of childhood have been flying by. head to myeq.com and use code PARENTING for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code PARENTING at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple, make the best formula in the world using the latest in breast milk science, parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Now that we're back after the break, I'm going to share more about the effects of media violence. But before I get into the effects of and prevalence of media violence, I want to talk about the speed in media that Stacy referred to. So First, the research that I have about speed referred to attention difficulties, but not related to ADHD. So this has no bearing on ADHD. It doesn't cause ADHD. But what has been found is a positive correlation between attention difficulties, this is with children without ADD or ADHD, in children who viewed regular commercial violent and nonviolent entertainment content. Now, the two groups, the violent and the nonviolent content had no bearing on the outcome of their attention difficulties. Both groups had the same outcome. The correlation did not hold true for viewing educational materials. This is things like Dora, Sesame Street, and Blue's Clues. And again, they did not find any positive correlation between viewing and later ADHD diagnosis. Now the reason there's a difference between the commercial content and the educational content is the speed of the material. The commercial content is cut very quickly, so the scenes are very quick. They go from one scene to the next scene to the next scene, so the children don't have to hold their attention very long. Educational content like Dora, Sesame Street, etc., the cuts are much slower, much longer, and so it holds their attention, it's more Like a real life interaction. And so that didn't contribute to any attention problems later on. So that is the difference. And that is the research I have about the speed issue of the cuts of media and what they're seeing. So now about violence and media. So, because using aggression to try to solve issues is showing a lack of social skills. I put this under how it affects their social skills or social interaction. So I'm gonna share how and what kinds of media have shown to increase acts of aggression. So first, just as a general understanding, Much of the violence on television and in movies is presented in a sanitized and glamorized fashion, and in children's programming, it often is presented as humorous. Now, for anybody who grew up in my generation, or I'm sure you've seen them, but the Roadrunner cartoons, tons of violence. I grew up watching those. I was not a big TV person when I was a kid, didn't really like cartoons, but I did see it on occasion from time to time. Watching a little bit of this stuff really is not going to affect kids or make them more violent, but... I'm gonna talk more about what does affect that here as we go on. 28% of children's programming has four or more aggressive acts per hour. A recent analysis of video games revealed that more than half of all games contain violence, including more than 90% that are rated as appropriate for children aged 10 and older. Also, another study concluded that video games rated as suitable for everyone contain significant amounts of violence. 64% contained intentional violence, 60% rewarded players for injuring a character. So researchers believe that repeated exposure to media violence can lead to anxiety, fear, and acceptance of violence as an appropriate means of solving conflict and desensitization with resulting increases in aggression and decreased altruism. Over a thousand studies have shown that heavy exposure to violence in media increases aggressive behavior, especially in boys. Lastly, the relationship between media violence and real-life aggression is nearly as strong as the impact of cigarette smoking on lung cancer. Not everyone who smokes will get lung cancer, and not everyone who views media violence will become aggressive themselves. However, the connection is significant. The most problematic forms of media violence include attractive and unpunished perpetrators, no harm to the victims, realism, and humor. So with these kinds of findings, it is important that we keep an eye on what our children are seeing, playing, and watching, and limiting the exposure, as well as watching together and having conversations about what we're seeing, both positive and negative, in social interactions in their media consumption. So again, if you wanna know more about how to do this, our recommended guidelines, steps and ways to mitigate these effects, as well as how to handle battles over media, the class Kids in Media 0-10 to goes into all of this also, as I mentioned earlier, Kids of Media 11 Plus for guidance on managing media and the exposure for tweens and teens and their digital reputation are both on the website, yourvillageonline.com. The next question is about how to help a child with a bigger life change who isn't particularly keen on change to begin with. So Maude wrote, hi, Erin, thanks for your podcasts that have been wonderfully helpful with my two boys, three going on four and a one-year-old. Our family lives in Switzerland and we have to move out of our current apartment because it's just too small for the four of us, especially since we're considering having a third child sometime in the future. We just bought a new apartment, which we'll be moving into in a little over two months. It's very hard for me to leave my building because we're friends with all of our neighbors and our kids play together in the common building yard as well as in the dead end street in front of it. Thankfully, we'll be moving within four minutes walking distance, but still, it will be hard for me because I know I've nested very strongly where I currently live, and also, on a general note, I'm pretty resistant to change. My firstborn, three years and ten months, is a lot like me in that regard. He's a creature of habit, loves routine, woke up at night for five weeks straight when he changed daycare 18 months ago, etc. He doesn't embrace change, to say the least. It's also worth saying that he's very connected to his neighbor friends. They come and go between our apartments. My husband told him this morning that we'd be moving soon, and he reacted strongly, saying this was his house, that he never wanted to move, etc. How can we prepare and accompany him through this process? And how do I not add to the problem, since it will also be very hard for me to leave our wonderful building? Thanks for the advice, Maud. So this is the exact trait from the temperament class known as adaptability. Adaptability is the ease or difficulty with changes. And in this case, more specifically, we're talking about less adaptable. So people who are less adaptable prefer the familiar, become shy with new people in places, like they like their toys, their room, their teachers to remain the same, and they need more time to deal with change. Now I have one of these children, myself, who's less adaptable. He has one or two close friends. He prefers a few close friends rather than tons of having tons of friends running around. He's a total homebody. And except for the struggles of learning online, he's actually doing just fine with staying at home because he loves to be at home. He does not like change as well. So he likes his room, likes his toys, likes his stuff very particular where it is. And he's actually the one, when we told the kids about our divorce, he was the one who cried out immediately. And we knew he was the one who would take it really hard. So of course, nothing has changed. We're all still in the same house and we will be for the foreseeable future, at least through this pandemic. So what I'm saying is I've dealt with one of these myself. I do know what it's like to have a child who is less adaptable. So how do we help a child who prefers the familiar with a bigger change like this? So first you wanna discuss the upcoming change and talk about it as positively as possible. What are all the positives about the move? Now obviously more room is a positive. Is he getting his own room? Has he been sharing up to this point? Is it a bigger room? Is it a bigger living room? Is there more room to put their stuff? The other positive is that it is really close and he can see his friends all the time. He can show his friends his new home also. Now you're gonna be spending a lot of time talking with him, reassuring him about the move, all of the great things about it. Maybe walking over, showing it to him, you're just gonna slowly get him used to the idea. He may come over, take a look at it, and he may not be happy the first time, but the more you can walk him over and just kinda of show him how close it is, show him where it is, show him how you're gonna walk over, talk about how easy it's gonna to be to see his friends, you'll slowly get him used to the idea. Now, I know it's happening fairly soon, so you're gonna to wanna to start doing this um, pretty quickly and just start getting him used to the idea more and more. You wanna answer any questions he has as positively as you can. You wanna allow him to decide as much as possible about his space, the room. So if he's sharing a room, then his side of the room, if he has his own room, where his furniture will go, his books, any toys or stuffed animals, let him decorate it, let him have control of that. Giving him as much control of his space as possible. When you do move, you want to help him make new friends by inviting a new child over to play or showing him the courtyard in that area and all the children there and maybe introducing him to one child or inviting one child to play with him or for him to play with that child. I'm also guessing you'll be doing this anyway, but you want to be sure to maintain the same family routine as much as possible. And then, of course, when it comes to your own anxieties about moving, you're gonna wanna try to keep that to yourself as much as possible. Talk to your friends about it, talk to your spouse about it, anybody you can, but you want to, when you're with your son, talk about the positives of this new situation, how exciting it is, how fun it is, how an adventure is, even though that may not be how you feel about it. Try to pull that out, share that part of you as much as you can with him, show him that side, rather than any of your concerns about it as well. All right, everybody, don't forget to check out the Your Village YouTube channel and subscribe to get the new quick parenting tips that come out twice a week. I already sent it, put a couple out this week. You can just search for Your Village on YouTube to find it. I'd love to see this channel grow. It's been sitting out there a while. I haven't done much with it, so I really wanna start putting more into that. Also, of course, you can follow me on Instagram at ironmom2020. I do have a harder time uploading to that because I have to do it on my phone. So sometimes those videos just, they don't upload and then it cancels out and then I have to start over. So I don't get them up quite as quickly on on Instagram as I do on YouTube, but I do get them all up just the same. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening, and I would say see you next week, which I will for the regularly scheduled podcast, but in a few days, I will have another co-parenting through divorce special edition podcast coming out. So so for those of you also going through that journey yourselves, that episode will be out, and I'll be talking about my own parental guilt around the divorce and where that stemmed from for me and how I was able to work through it. And also I decided to throw in a quick update here for those of you that are interested and curious I do get emails from many parents saying they're curious They love to hear about my updates and I haven't done one of these in a while So if you're not interested in hearing about my training and race updates, we will see you at the next episode If you are interested, stay tuned Um, So this year obviously has just been very unprecedented in a lot of ways, but racing is one of them and so all throughout the year, races have just been getting canceled left and right, left and right. No races. Um, I signed up for one race this year, a Half Ironman, in Arizona on October 18th. We have, They were getting canceled usually around six weeks out from the race, four to six weeks out. Um, and one in December in California has already been canceled. But my race, as of today, is still on. It's going. I've gotten two emails in the last... Um, two days, uh, yesterday and the day before, saying that Tempe is ready for me, that the race is going. They gave a great recording about how they're going to handle social distancing for the race, including getting in the water and handing out anything at aid stations, how we can be more independent during the race. So um, I've been really watching the numbers in the county where Tempe is, and they kind of are going up and down between five and ten cases per 100,000 per day. So right now they're going back down again. So I'm really glad to see that. So I am going to go to this race and I'm going to give it a shot and I'm going to be super healthy and super careful when I go. But I'm one of the very very few people this year that's going to get to race. So I am I'm so emotional. Um really honored that I'm going to get to do this this year because a lot of people worked really hard this year for the races and they got canceled. And a lot of us have just continued our training, not knowing what was going to happen. And so, um, I went through a little bit of a period of slacking off because I was like, "Ugh, every race is getting canceled. Nothing's going to happen. And I did slack off for about two to three weeks around our vacation. I had a hard time training during our our vacation. When we got home, I was kind of like, it's going to get canceled in a week or two. Why am I going to keep training? And I did slack off, but and then I was like, you know what? You never know. Get back in there and do it. So I did. I've been getting back in there. I've been getting back on my bike. I've been working hard back in the pool. I had a great swim today. Probably one of my fastest swims I've ever had. So I'm feeling good. My run's a little slow, but my bike is good. My swim is good. And I'm I'm really excited. And I'm just holding out, you know, I'm not 100% sure it's going to happen, but I'm feeling even more and more positive as we get closer that this race is actually going to take place. So October 18th, I'm still training. I have a two-and-a-half-hour ride this Sunday, this Saturday and a 20-minute run after that, one of the bigger workouts I'm going to have. So I'm just um, I'm, really positive and really optimistic about this, and if it happens, I'm really excited to just share about that experience. I am just so again so honored to be able to go and do this if I get to and I'm just going to go out and enjoy the day I'm just going to have as much fun I know right as much fun as I can and hopefully the weather will stay under 100 degrees in Tempe Arizona in three weeks all right everyone so again thanks for listening and we'll see you at the next episode whichever one that is for you